0: Welcome to the weekly message from Upper Room Community Church in Vaughan. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. For more information, visit us at upperroom.ca. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? This is God's word. All right. Um, Yeah, so we moved into our house 11 years ago, and for about 10 years, my wife has been saying she wants to, you know, kind of rent over the house, and so I just kept saying 10 years from now, and that came around uh, last year. So we did some stuff, and part of it, we thought we needed to move a couch that we had on our main floor into the basement. And uh, it was kind of big, we thought, oh, we can, we can do this, no problem. Our basement has a little bit of a, of a, like, two turns. So we get it down the first, so it's standing up straight, right? So we get it down the first landing, down to the second one, down to the bottom, last turn, stuck. And when I say stuck, I mean, like, it was completely stuck. And we just kept kind of pushing on either end until we could hear other things sort of moving, and then we stopped. So I'm sitting there on the other end of this couch, and, and I mean, it's fully wedged. It's not even close to coming through. It's, it's almost at like a 45, and there's about this much wall to travel on the one end, and the other wall goes. So it was just, and, and now we couldn't even move it back. So, um, so this was, uh, we were in big trouble. What's going on here? Um, and I had that feeling, I don't know if you've ever had that, but thinking, like for a moment, I'm sitting there going, well, maybe we'll just leave it here. <laughs> you know, our kids, they could, there's room to get under, room to get over. And I had crawled over and under it so many different ways trying to get it out. But it was, the, it was the, well, first it was the sinking feeling, going, I, oh, no, like, we're hooped. I can't get it back up, can't move it. I maybe, you know, and th- so then you think, well, I guess this will be the new reality in our house. Um, it added to the list of thought, things I thought I could do by myself in my house that went wrong. So eventually I cut a whole bunch of drywall open and uh, moved it, and it's all good now. But um, I I recently had that feeling again, and it wasn't wasn't having anything to do with couches or whatever. My wife and I were in a conversation about something, about something in our lives, and I could sense in that moment both of us felt stuck. And, And I'm a problem solver, Generally, and I'm, a, and I'm positivity. So I rarely feel stuck, even when I should, even when I am. <laughs> I rarely feel it. I think, okay, well, there's some way around this, or some, you know, or, and, and let's start going to problem solving mode, or don't worry, it'll be fine. But it, I, I had that moment in that conversation going, uh, okay, don't know what to do. And the sinking feeling, going, I can't solve this, I don't see a way around it. We've actually talked about this for a while now, and it's not going anywhere. And then to go, well, I guess this is just the way it is. Now, I don't know, when I use the word stuck, I think probably every one of you could sort of articulate in some shape or form you've had that feeling. Maybe, maybe in a work situation, um, maybe in a relationship uh, that you're in, or you're, you're navigating, and maybe, maybe it's a season in that relationship where there's just, um, you're feeling stuck, or maybe there's just certain topics that when they come up, you get stuck. Um, Maybe in your financial life you feel that, maybe in emotional life, or maybe there's just a sense that you have right now that, that you are stuck, that you can't move. I think every one of us can relate to it, which is very interesting, because what it means is that we all know we were meant for movement. Right? Like if, if you can articulate that and say, yeah, I've had that experience, we all know there's something not right about that. Whatever that is, whether it's a nebulous kind of feeling, and I don't even know why I feel it, but I feel it, or there's a specific matter or issue or relationship or circumstance that I'm in where I feel it, I know it's not good because something in me knows I was meant to move, that there was meant to be the sense of movement, and yet what I feel is, is stuck. Now, the scriptures actually explain for us this feeling, this kind of inertia that we want to have, regardless of your faith background, whether you feel you really know the scriptures really well, whether you've heard that passage that was read uh, for you a number of times, or whether it's totally new. The scriptures actually describe what we have been talking about in this whole journey into, into being rooted, is this idea that we were actually meant to grow and to move, that we are not in a sense robots who are programmed to behave and act a certain way and then are just set on that track and nothing changes but that as people actually our lives are compared often to trees that have a planting a beginning a growing a strengthening a spreading out a bearing fruit this idea and and implicit in this is both this idea of growth but also movement the bible actually puts into words i say this all the time you know being a christian doesn't answer all my questions but being a christian it's the one worldview that tends to explain the world most to me. It actually helps me make sense of the world. And and the way the scripture describes our lives as trees or people who are alive and growing, it explains why I feel such frustration or despair when I feel stuck. That we were actually meant to be people in motion who are growing and who are in a sense bearing fruit. Now we talked about this idea that even if you've never used that language before in your life about, you know, being a tree, about growing, about bearing fruit, all of us can connect to this, that in a sense we know that we're meant to get better, we're meant to, life is supposed to be, in a sense, on the up and up. We're meant to be stronger, more stable. We're meant to have fruit, in a sense, like, you know, like a tree provides shade or, or uh, room for birds to nest or it actually gives fruit to people and animals, that there's this idea that my life is supposed to pour out to other people. Yeah, okay, I maybe never used that language before, but yes, I know, I, I, I think that's true. That's what I would want to be in life. And yet, this is interesting because there are many people who have, in a sense, or have achieved what you would define as fruit. Like if you said, okay, fruit, success, yes, there's things that, you know, in a situation where I feel stuck, it's because I can't get this or can't get there. But if you think about that, there's many people who have been insanely successful in their careers. Whatever they've touched has turned to gold. They've created new things. It's created wealth for themselves and others. Maybe it's, it's significantly benefits society. There's many people that have um, had the success maybe that you would be looking for in life to be married or to, to, uh, to have children or to have a home or to set up something that is, is your own, that they would be success, successful in that. There's many people who have acquired a great deal of influence because of their intellect and degrees and accomplishments. They're very smart or they're famous. Oftentimes, we associate fruit with success, and, and I do it too. It's what we're all gunning for, and yet... If you look at those people, and na- nowadays we, we have sort of the public eye go, is, is, is everywhere, there's nowhere it doesn't go, and so we get, we get a look into the lives of maybe famous and successful people, or maybe you've seen this in your own life or in the lives of other people, that oftentimes that success that they achieve actually ends up corrupting them or they have a major catastrophe in their life. Why? Because something on the inside wasn't right that even though they may have acquired all of the things that you think that you need to acquire to be successful in the fruit in your life, in your job, in your family, in your relationships, in your financial life, many other people you can look at had them, but somehow you wouldn't describe their lives as trees that have borne fruit because something went wrong on the inside, which is why the Bible defines fruit in a different way for us. It defines it as character. Most of the specific descriptions about fruit in the Bible there's there's two there's, there's a few famous passages, but one of them is in the book of Galatians where it lists a whole list of what is fruit in our lives. And the first word in the list in, 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 in ancient literature usually was the, was the capital one. In other words, everything else was describing it. And the first one in, in the list in Galatians is love. In a sense, the fruit that you and I are meant to bear in life has to do with character. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of which is the way love is expressed so the bible actually describes fruit very differently from us which is interesting because when we are stuck often it reveals a lack of that fruit like when we're stuck we either try harder push harder work harder or we give up in despair And many times if you're stuck or if you're in a a relationship or a situation or a a circumstance or a job where you feel stuck and you're like, I'm going to try harder and push harder, actually what that ends up doing is creating a lack of that fruit, right? We push harder and then it can lead to pride where we think, well, I've done everything I can do. I don't know what's wrong with this person. I don't know what's wrong with this relationship. I don't know what's wrong with my boss. I don't know what's wrong with these people or this culture. I've done everything I can do. I've pushed as hard as I can go. We're stuck, but it's not my fault. It can lead to pride. It can lead to a lack of humility. It can lead to anger with other people. It can lead to impatience, the opposite of fruit. So we're stuck, we're pushing harder, and actually what we find is it actually reveals a lack of what the Bible would call success and fruit as we're pushing and striving to get where we think we need to go. Or, and sometimes after we've tried hard, we give up. You know what? Like, this couch is just going to have to stay here, <laughs> This is just, this is the new reality. This is just the way it is. But sometimes that also creates or exposes a lack of fruit because we get bitter. We get angry sometimes at the people around us that we feel have forced us into this stuck place, or perhaps even with God. God, why have you allowed this? God, I have done everything. I've tried as hard as I can. Why are you not getting me unstuck? And in that moment, we are actually aware of a lack of fruit. So in this whole rooted journey, we have, last week we talked about, well, what gets in the way of actually growing and having true fruit? This week we're talking about, well, how does it actually happen? It, if, if, you know, we're supposed to move and grow and then I get stuck and stuckness, all it does is reveal the lack of fruit in my life. Either because I'm trying harder and I'm getting more pr- uh, proud or I'm getting more um, annoyed at the people around me, or I give up and so I feel despair, I feel hopeless, I feel bitter, and maybe I'm blaming God. How do I actually, how does fruit actually bear out in my life? And the passage that was read for us this morning is a story of Jesus interacting with a very religious man, explaining this very thing, even though he doesn't use those exact words. Now this guy named Nicodemus comes to see Jesus. And uh, he has a question about life with God. Now Nicodemus, you have to know, was a Pharisee, which meant he was one of the few, few people in life who in one sense was not stuck. He was doing everything right. Would have made him fairly honorable in the society he was in people would have definitely thought and he would have thought that God looked favorably upon him because he did all the right things. He was like always at the synagogue where he was supposed to be, gave all the money he was supposed to, followed all the 600 and something rules that the Jewish people were supposed to follow. Only a few of them could ever make it. It was the Pharisees. And so this guy figured he had a handle on how life was supposed to work. And he comes to Jesus to say, hey, just so you know, like we think you're a good guy. Like you seem to be talking about some good things. Once you know, you know we, we bless this. This is good. And can we talk a little bit more about it? And it's interesting. Jesus says to him, you don't get it at all. Which, you know, and, and for Jesus' audience, maybe some of them who were sitting around who were not very religious, they would say, yeah, yeah. And we should go, yeah, okay, good. Why? Why? That's good news. What, what does he begin to talk about? And Jesus describes for Nicodemus, it's actually one of the, one of the verses that describes what Christians call the trinity in it. Um, indirectly, right? Nicodemus comes and says, I want to talk about God. And Jesus, he's talking to Jesus, and Jesus begins to talk about the Spirit. Now, some of you may have grown up in traditions where you heard Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Maybe you haven't before, but you know you've seen people do this, and it's about the Trinity. And maybe for many of us, we're like, kind of, okay, God, as a father, kind of get that. Jesus' Son came down on the cross. The Spirit's just kind of weird. We don't really need, what is that, even? But it's actually not weird at all if we understand the word. The Greek word that is Spirit is, if you transliterate it, is pneu, uh, pneuma, or it's, it's, it's pneuma which has two meanings. The Greek uh, language has a very wide lexical range. So while, while we would just say spirit, it actually had two meanings that were present, and Jesus talks about them both, and they are both a key and a clue to how growth happens in our lives. The word spirit means both breath and wind, and Jesus uses both to describe. Nicodemus comes to him and says, oh, I think I know what life with God is like, and of course I would because I'm a religious person. Just so you know, Jesus, I think you're pretty good too, and Jesus says, just so you know, you don't get it. And how could you not know this? Aren't you supposed to be teaching other people? Like he really kind of kicks him in the butt. Let me explain it to you, he says. First, he says the spirit is breath. And then he uses this language that you have to be born again to be with God. And Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? How could someone go back into their mother's womb and be born again? This is where this language comes from. If you never knew, what does born again mean? This is what it means. Jesus says, you have to be born again because the spirit is breath. And he says, well, how are you supposed to go back? And he says, no, no, don't you get it? You had a physical birth. And flesh gives birth to flesh. In other words, the birth you have from your mother was a flesh birth giving birth to a flesh life. But spirit gives birth to spirit. And here's the picture he's saying. When, when you have a child, if you've, ever, if you've ever seen a child being born or you know about this, the first, one of the first things that the doctor is looking for is the scream when they come out. Why? Because they have to learn how to operate in a new reality, which is breathing air through lungs. Whatever, How are they functioning in the mother's tummy now can't work anymore. And so the first thing they're looking for is breath. Breath is, in a sense, a picture of being alive. And Jesus says, you had a physical birth, but there is a spiritual life that also needs to be awakened inside of you. That is the breath of God. You come alive in a sense. Now the Greeks also had two different words for life. We use the word life, and we just use it interchangeably in different meanings. They had a word called bios and another word called zoe. Bios referred to physical life, where so we get the words biology. But zoe referred to essential life. It was the Greeks' kind of way to describe this thing, not just flesh and bones, beating heart, muscle movement life, but essential life. In other words, who I am really. The soul, what is, or the French call it the joie de vivre, right, is the life inside. It's not as if Jesus was saying, well, you had a physical life and spiritual life, you can take it or leave it if you're a spiritual person. He says, no, no, everyone needs both physical life and essential life. And we use that phrase when we say, oh, that's really living, you know, or this is what life is all about. You're not referring to bios, you're referring to zoe, to essential life. And Jesus says, if you're gonna have a life with God just as real and dynamic as your physical birth was, so real, so visible, so definitive, breath, lungs, alive. He said, the spirit needs to do that in your life, too. And it has nothing to do with religion or all the laws or all the ways that you think it is. In fact, he says, you don't even get it. It's about new life. It's about Zoe life. And the spirit is the breath of God that makes you alive, that gives you, in other words, the spirit, Jesus says, is key to living. It is the essential life inside of us that needs to be born. And then, he says, the spirit is, is wind. He goes on to say, the wind blows wherever it pleases. The Spirit gives life, essential life, and wakes you up to a new reality where you are breathing with a different set of parameters, circumstances. You are breathing in life and breathing it out. And then, the Spirit is also the one that moves you. That movement in life Growth in life. Yes, you had birth, and now you are meant to have life and movement. Just as, and you've heard me use this before, we celebrate Isabel as a little baby, and all of the descriptions about her when she first came into the world were about the birth, the breath. But then, the parents are not just concerned. Two years later, if you ask them, how's Isabel? If they talk to you about her birthday, the very, oh, the hospital, oh, she was X number of pounds. You're like, is she still that weight, or is she a little bigger now? Is she eating? Is she walking? Not just life, but movement. And Jesus says, so it is with God. There is meant to be life that God breathes his spirit, his breath into you and you come alive and then you begin to move and grow through the wind, the spirit that is the wind that moves. And it says the wind blows where it pleases. See, Jesus was presenting a kind of life that was different than the life that Nicodemus thought about. Nicodemus was experiencing a life that, if you will, was like rowboating or powerboating, which is essentially the way to describe people who are very religious or people who are irreligious, who say, you know what, I don't need it. I'll live life my own way. It is a life, Jesus said, without wind. It is rowboating. In a rowboat, in a powerboat, you provide all the power. All of the work is yours. If you want to move anywhere, you move. A rowboat has no ability to capture wind. It's just moving by its, the power of the person in it. A motorboat has a motor, drives wherever it's going. And he said religion and irreligion. People who are uh, following religion, all set of rules, and people say, I don't need I don't need God, I don't need any of that, are living like they are in a rowboat. It's up to me. Wherever I'm going to go, I'm going to get me there. Whether it's the rules, how many days I have to be at the holy place, how, how often I should read the holy book, how much money should I give, whatever I should do to be a good person, I'm in control, I'm going to do it, I'm going to get myself there. And that's was the kind of person Nicodemus was. He had, they had built a whole reality about them being in control. And there were also people who would have been on the outskirts and a little bit listening to Nicodemus and listening to Jesus in the way that he taught, and they would have said, you know what, I don't need any of that religious stuff. I'm just going to live life my own way, my own standards. I'll decide what's good and not good. I'll decide what's best. I'll take a little bit from everyone. That's what most people do in Canada. I'll a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of Christianity, a little bit of this stuff. That sounds good. I'll just make my own way. I'm in control. I will get myself where I'm going to go. And Jesus describes that life and he says, the problem is that when you get to that point, power boating, row boating, really religious or irreligious, it has the same two problems, especially when you encounter being stuck in life. It can either make you proud, I'm in control, I'm self-made, I know what I'm doing. You know, we've talked about how religion just breeds a sense of pride before God it says, God, I don't need you, I just know the rules and I just follow them, so I'm good, Right? And someone says, I don't need God, I'm gonna do things my own way. It's a sense of pride, I'm a self-made person. And so when I get to that point that I'm stuck and I can't move, I just try harder. Either I blame the God I was worshiping and saying, how come you are not help me because I've done everything right? Or I blame the people around me because I don't believe in God and so it can't be me, I'm the one rowing. Why don't you do something? Or we get to despair. I think I can't, I've tried, I can't do anything. All the effort. If it was all up to me, and there's no movement in life anymore, and now I'm stuck. Despair begins to set in because I think now I don't know what to do. I have no way around this. This is just new reality. And Jesus says, "No, no, no. Life with God is not rowboating or powerboating. If I can use some creative license here, it's sailing. It is the wind that moves where it pleases." In sailing, there's a lot of work to be done. I've only done it a couple times. I don't think I could handle it. I thought it was just going to be this peaceful thing where you just coast along. You've got to watch out for these things coming around that will knock your head off, and you've got to do all kinds of work. And I thought, this is not relaxing at all. Like This is not like those pictures I've seen on my desktop. It's a lot of work, and yet nobody on that boat can make it go. Without wind, nothing's happening. It's the thrill of the wind that makes all the work worth it. It's why those people are out there, is to try to catch wind. And Jesus says, your life through the Spirit is both breath that makes you alive and wind that moves you along, and therefore, everything in life with God is about getting sails up to catch it. It's not about what you do to make it happen as if you could earn your own way, as if you could justify yourself and say, I'm good because I do this, 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 and this, or God's going to tell me I'm good because I do this, this, and this, and this. Jesus said, life is not like that at all, Nicodemus. He's the one who gave you life, essential life, and he's the wind that moves you along, which means all of life now is oriented around getting sails up to capture the wind to move. It means movement in life, in your life, in my life. Yes, it is work, but it's not trying harder. It's not giving up in despair because it's all up to me. It's about realizing there is a power that is moving in my life, but I need the right equipment up to actually catch it. And when I catch it, I move. That's how life works. Yes, everything I do in life is actually to get those sales up. And so if you are a person who is trying to pursue God, And maybe you'd say, yeah, I'm well on that journey. I'm totally committed to it. You're saying, I'm not sure. I'm trying to figure that out. Your goal in life is actually to hoist the sails to catch the wind. That in a sense, everything that you do, the reason you come to church, hopefully the reason you came this morning was to try to catch some of that wind. You're just putting up a sail when you come to church on Sunday and say, okay, God, I cannot move me, but you can. Okay, God, I'm stuck, but you can move me. I can't move myself, I can't fix myself, I can't forgive myself, I can't sort out my whole life. It says, the wind blows where it pleases. In other words, God, there is a direction in my life that you know that I need to know, so here I am. I'm I'm trying to catch this. Every time we read the scriptures, every time we pray, every time we meet together to talk and be in community, we're trying to get sales up to say, I cannot move myself, but you can. Now maybe you're somebody that is sitting with a powerboat or a rowboat in the middle of life and the wind is moving back and forth and you have no ability to grasp it because you have never put sails up. Maybe you're somebody that thinks, well, okay, I think I'm trying to do life myself or trying to figure out this God thing. First of all, what you need to know is essential life comes from the Holy Spirit. You can't make it happen. The very first step of living is to say, okay, God, make me alive. I had a physical birth but I can't see what I need to see with just these eyes. I can't do what I need to do in life with just these hands. And sometimes being stuck is the greatest gift in life that God can give you, because maybe it's the first time or the first time in a long time that you've said, you know what, I cannot do this anymore. And I'll tell you, it is a sinking feeling (laughs) to get to that point where you think, okay, I'm stuck. Can't positivity my way out of this? I can't problem solve my way out of this. And it's too big to ignore. That couch, it's too big to go around. I can't just pretend this isn't here. And maybe you've been doing that for a while and something's come up and perhaps this thing thing that is your greatest source of frustration and disappointment and maybe even bitterness towards God is actually an opportunity for you to open your eyes and realize I have been trying to do this all on my own. And that's not actually the life that I'm meant to have. And so for some of you, maybe you have never got to that point where you've said, okay, God, make me alive. It's essential life that I want. This isn't about religion. This isn't about how much I give or how much I do or whether I'm a good person, whether I'm living by my own standards or by the standards of whatever religious thing I grew up in. This is something Jesus says totally different. It is about essential life. When we do baptisms here, and we're doing one in a couple of months, the baptisms we do is people saying, yes, I have looked to God and said, I can't do this anymore. Make me alive. And in a sense, as they go under the water and come out of the water, it is a picture of, in a sense, I'm done trying myself, and now I'm living a new life. It's your life in me. It's your breath in my lungs. And so maybe some of you are sitting there, and you've been stuck, and you never realized. wait a second, I actually need breath in my lungs. And I need wind in my life. And you've been doing all this stuff to get yourself going where you need to go and maybe what you need to realize, wait, I actually need to stop and put up a sail. It's why we encourage you no matter where you are in your spiritual journey to get into this place as often as you can because I don't know about you but like stuff just leaks out of my head every few days and I need to be reminded. I need to be with all the people who are trying to sail who are saying, yeah, we don't want to do life on our own. We can't forgive ourselves. We can't chart our own path. We need the wind. Life wasn't meant to be lived alone. It's why we encourage you to read. It's why we encourage you to pray and to talk with other people about real things in life. Yes, it's so delightful to talk about the fact that the Jays clinched, but that's not wind in your life. Eventually it'll be over. True wind breath comes when we talk with each other, even if we're not at the same place, even if we're trying to figure out saying, all of this is t- for me to put up a sail in my life. So maybe you have been trying to get through life and you're not aware of the fact that this wind is blowing. And maybe this is the first time you think, I didn't, I didn't even know that's what life was like. You gotta put a sail up. But then maybe I was thinking, maybe there are some of you that you got all the sails up and it's a dead calm. Nothing's moving. And you can say, look, God, I've done everything I can think to do. Here I am. I'm waiting. And I'm stuck. And so, I can try harder, and I have, or now I'm at the point where maybe I want to give up because I just, I'm despairing, and I just think I don't know how to do this anymore. In that moment, You know, picture, in a sense, looking out and seeing a boat with all these sails up in a dead calm. If that boat is out there, it has two choices. One is just take it all down and stay. The other is leave it up and wait. And keep angling, keep moving. You know, I was was watching this video the other day about um, how uh, modern sailing, how, you know, if you picture those old boats or pirate ships or whatever, you see those old movies, they were all these square sails, right, all set in the same direction because they believed that the only way really to be moved was if the wind was right behind you and moving you forward like this way. So they had those sails up. But as they have grown and as people have started to understand wind and technology, if you look at sails now, sailors have understood actually wind blowing sideways at us is a way to move forward. And so they angle sails differently. And they know this little sail that's at the top is a little bit detached from the big one, they're trying to tell the angle of the wind because you don't just need it behind, you've got to actually maneuver it. And if the, if the wind's coming this way and the rudder's acting this way, it cancels the forces out and the only force left is to go forward. My point is this. People who are bent and understand that the only way to live is life on the wind will do anything they can to try to catch some air. So don't give up. Don't give up. Even if you feel like I've had these up, God, and it's a dead calm, you know you can't make the wind come. And yet you know without it you can't live. And God knows. You know that song that Kurt led us in, which is uh, based on both the Lord's Prayer and the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus says, God knows what you need. So wait, be patient. Patiently drag your butt in here on Sunday. Go, okay. I don't feel anything, but I'm here because I know there is no life without wind. And that's why I'm here. So I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to take it down. I I only have those two choices, and I refuse to despair. I refuse to get bitter in this place. I do not want the fruit of bitterness, frustration, pride, envy of others who seem to be moving quite well. I do not want that fruit in my life. I will stay here and wait. This is the invitation, really, that we are asking you as a whole church to go on with this whole rooted journey. It's the idea to say, how do we plug into life and let God make us strong and stable and permanent and growing and fruit-bearing? And so I want to just ask uh, Pastor Tony to come up and just talk to you a little bit about what this journey looks like, because whether you're in a home group or not, it's something that you can all access, it's something that I'm preaching through on Sundays, but there's many ways to get connected. And I want Tony to just talk to you a little bit about what would it look like for you to engage in this and get some sales up to Canada. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and uh, just lead us in a closing song. Um, but as we do that, I was praying for you, uh, you know, as uh, through this week, and um, and I just wrote something down for you at the end that I thought maybe together we just put up a sale. And, and so there's a passage that's in your community Bible reading that you'll read tomorrow morning, which is Isaiah 55. And I just read that over, and it's one of those passages I memorized years ago, and it just kind of has lodged in my heart. And I rewrote a couple of the lines to describe the promises that God makes to you or the things that God says to you through that passage. So what I want you to do is just Stand. And I'm just going to read these aloud. If you want to read them on the screen, you can, but if you want to close your eyes and just listen and picture yourself as just putting up a sail and say, God, just breathe on me through your voice as these things are read aloud. Hungry, thirsty, stuck, come to me. I will give you what you really need. I will give you true delight. I have a purpose for your life, and you can trust it because I love you. Don't stop looking or waiting for me to move. My ways, my plans, my thoughts, they're not just different from yours. They are higher, which means they're better, which means you can trust me. Remember, as faithfully as the seasons come and go, and even rain and snow have a purpose, somehow, (laughs) That's how faithful and dependable are my promises. In due time, at the right time, you will see new beautiful things growing in your life instead of thorny things. And one day, the benediction, the blessing today, I just want to bless uh, maybe two different groups of you. For those of you that maybe are are sitting there and you you have not hoisted a sail, I just want to bless you. Remember first time I went windsurfing, this little, I picked the smallest sail I could, and I picked it up, and the first gust that went, it just, I was like, whoa, there's wind! I want to bless you with that, that just even a, even a little movement, that, that you pick it up, that you'll, you'll feel it catch you, and say, this is real, this is real, I can trust you, I can rely on you. And for those of you that are maybe sitting, you got all the sails up and there's nothing moving. I want to bless you with an experience of Zoe life this week. That even when you're sitting there, you will feel alive. That something inside you, maybe that has been dead or fallen asleep, will have woken up this week. And that no matter what, you'll say, the Spirit is with me, God is with me. I don't have to be afraid. Do you receive that?